Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, June 26th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. There we go. You can hear me a little better now. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors. Hey, Jeff Johnson. And the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. What's up, Ed Maher? Download Ed Maher's interview. He was on the show yesterday. Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites. Wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. All right, we're going to get the show going in a second. It is Friday, June 26th, and live from Ben's Attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today in the program, it's another Romano Rundown with Sun-Times editor Romano Hussein, and now your host, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're called, by the way, great guitar riff. Just, that's not what that's, we're calling the show, but. It's MG, Michael Girardi. Michael Girardi, and uh, excellent job. I was just like, I hadn't heard that one before, and I was just playing air guitar on it. And you kind of caught me off guard there. I was like, no, 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 no. Anyway, <clears throat> focus. Uh, we're calling this. You're fr- like an air guitar Ted Nugent. <laughs> no. Okay. Don't compare me to Ted Nugent. Oh, well, I like- didn't think about that. But yeah. he is pretty badass. Okay. You're like an air guitar uh, Eddie, Va- Eddie Van Halen. Neil Young. <laughs> and if I want to go left-handed, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> anyway, where was I? <clears throat> Dimebag Daryl. We're calling this uh, Free Internet Friday, and here's why. So I woke up today and found something a little unusual for these times. Good news! Yay! Good news! Yes, next to the unrelenting grim news about COVID-19. Found a little good news. Yay for our teachers! (laughs) Yay for our teachers! Good Uh, news, you say? We will get to that, Mr. Rauner. We will get there. That was foreshadowing. And we didn't do any pre-show planning on that one, D. No, I don't know what you're talking about. A lot of other kind of pre-show planning, but not on that one. Anyway, where was I? Okay. 
Yes, it was on the front page of my Tribune, and it was also in the Sun-Times. And Dennis, this gives us an opportunity to play one of our favorite games that we haven't played in a while. Oh, basketball. Yep. Sweet. Horse? <laughs> pig? I uh, love basketball, and I love horse. Uh, and I love pig, because there's a chances of me winning, because there's fewer letters. Of course, I could also get out earlier. Anyway, no, that's not the game we're going to be playing. The game will be headline battle. Waddle, right. waddle, waddle. Uh, and uh, that is the sun. We compare and contrast the Sun Times headlines and the Tribune's headline. All right, here we go. So we'll start with the Tribune headline. All right, let's hear that headline. <clears throat> Free internet plan for 100,000 children and families, although they wrote 100K. Okay, 100K children, but you know, <laughs> K thousand. Well, read it one more time. Okay. <clears throat> Hold on, water. There we go. Get that water. Mm. Is that delicious? <clears throat> Whatever gets you going. Free internet planned for 100,000 children and families. Battle okay. of the headlines. <laughs> and the subhead is Lightfoot unveils $50 million plan after virus bears unacceptable disparities in city. So hmm. free internet plan for 100K children and families. Lightfoot unveils $50 million plan after virus bears unacceptable. And that was Tribune? That's the Tribune. Right to the point. They all, they're always right to the point. It's not too flashy, not, uh, you know, punny, but right to the point. There's and the brown line. Brown line roaring by. Hey, Mayor Ron, what's going on? <clears throat> and here's the headline in the Sun-Times. Net gain. Battle of the headlines. <laughs> CPS students to get free access to high-speed web service thanks in part to state's richest man. So which one do you like better? Free internet plan for 100K kids, uh, children and families, or net gain? I kind of need someone holding my hand, so I like the Tribune. I like that headline. Right to it, I know what I'm getting. Net gain. It's like, whoa, what could this be? All right. Well, I'm not going to really rally to the defense of the Sun-Times in this one because the subhead is the one that irritates me. CPS students to get free access to high-speed web service thanks in part to state's richest man. All right. Let me break it down, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the situation. We are in a pandemic. Uh, schools are closed, so children are relying on the internet uh, to get lessons from teachers, to complete those lessons, to send in to do their homework, to send in their homework, et cetera, and so forth. But many children in low-income areas of Chicago, many poor kids in Chicago, live in homes without internet access, or they live in homes without computers. Uh, now, we learned this last year, I, uh, the uh, CPS uh, distributed computers, free computers to children who did or in homes without them. This is a little funny uh, line. Not funny, but... Well, it was kind of funny, D. This is straight out of um, uh, the Chicago Treatment Story today. In switching to remote learning, CPS uh, distributed more than 100,000 laptop computers and tablets. Uh, these are computers that districts recently purchased or others that have been donated by individuals uh, and that came from its own stockpile. I had just this vision. CPS got a stockpile of computers? So bizarre. I remember uh, back in the 90s uh, when Paul Vallis took over at CPS and he went to the warehouse and, and showed reporters all the tables and chairs, etc. cetera. Uh, it was a, a staged, uh, shocking, uh, one of those stories that they stage from time to time to shock us. But there was all this equipment in the warehouse of CPS. And now they got computers in the warehouse. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. Uh, but that was just an interesting detail. They got always computers in the banana stand. Anyway, uh, to, yeah, thank you. Uh, anyway, to provide 
provide internet uh, service to homes that can't afford it. It will cost $50 million, according to the newspapers, which are quoting and citing Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So where does Chicago go to get that $50 million? Well, they've taken out the tin cup and asked the wealthiest people in the state of Illinois to donate it. And that's the part of the headline that kind of irritated me a little bit. State's richest man, Ken Griffin, I don't know if you remember that name, Ken Griffin, uh, diehard Republican. Think he's uh, richer than JB? Yeah, he's definitely rich. Remember JB? I mean, okay, JB is not a that perfect person. Yeah, well, he's he's definitely not a perfect person. But I believe his worth is about two point five billion. Don't quote me in that. Cool, day. I can't relate. Okay, uh, whereas Ken Griffin's worth is over thirteen billion. Holy cow! Okay, and let me give you another example. Um, oh boy, from Amazon, uh, Bezos's worth I think was fifty five billion. Don't quote me in that, but that was my memory when we were trying to give him two billion dollars. Remember those days, Roner and Rom? <laughs> Please take more of our money. Then they wouldn't even tell us how much they were going to give him. You can't. We can't tell you because we signed a non-disclosure agreement with them. It's like such a joke. And people in Chicago are nodding along. Okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> that was a different time. That was 2018. I was raining and rallying about that. Remember, D? Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, the uh, the state's richest man, Ken Griffin, has kicked in. How much did Kenny G give? He gave $7.5 million. $7.5 million. All right. Uh, other major donors include... The Crown Family Philanthropies, they gave $5 million. Chicago Community COVID Response Fund, administered by the Chicago Community Trust and United Way, they kicked in two point five. Thank you very much. The Illinois Tool Works, $2 million. Pritzker Foundation, hey! Huh. <laughs> they, they gave $1.5 million. I think JPB Foundation, which maybe, is that... Uh, JB's fine. I have no idea who they are. 500 grand. Joyce Foundation gave 250 and another 750 commitment was made by President Barack Obama and his wife, Michelle. How about that, D? How much did the Benjirovsky show give on there? Let's see. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> nothing. But that gets to my point. We have given something. We'll get to that in a little while. So anyway, the world's uh, the state's richest man, excuse me, kicked in uh, seven billion. We're all supposed to be happy about that and rejoice. Well, I'm really going to try, folks, not to be cynical and jaded about this. I'm really working on this. I told Dennis today I'm going to be really working from here on out on not being cynical and jaded. And whenever I feel like a moment of cynicism or jadedism, if such a word exists, I will just take like a deep breath, do some like yoga stretches, close my eyes. And do all the things that Ramada makes uh, fun of me for doing. I'll do them now. <sighs> yes, don't be cynical. <sighs> don't be jaded. <sighs> be focused, Ben. <sighs> okay. <laughs> all right, let's just. All right, let's just break this down. Ken Griffin, yes, thank you for the seven million dollars that you donated. Seven point five. Let me get it right. Uh, to help the poorest of the poorest kids in the city of Chicago have internet access. Uh, and uh, let me just point out that uh, he's made other donations in his life. Uh, just it, I had to go check this out, but it was $60 million as of 2019 to various political campaigns. So let's just put this in perspective. We have this huge problem where the poorest kids in the poorest neighborhoods 
uh, are unable to have internet access so that they can do their homework and study their studies in a pandemic so they can try to keep up with the richest kids in the state who are their peers, right? They've already at a disadvantage from the moment the race starts, but without internet access, that disadvantage will just grow, all right? Just the bare basics. So he kicked in 7.5 million for that while kicking 60 million to various politicians. So I'm not great at math, as we all know, but I do know that 60 million is a lot more than 7.5 million. That's correct. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mueller. 36.1 million, the single largest donation that he has made to a campaign went to Bruce Rauner. That would be the same Bruce Rauner that Dennis played an excerpt from a little while ago, the same former governor of the state of Illinois, the same Republican governor of the state of Illinois. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Yes, that governor, Bruce Rauner, the one you try to put out of your mind, that governor, Bruce Rauner, who is dedicated to bankrupting uh, Illinois government because he wanted to destroy unions in the state of Illinois, that Bruce Rauner, that Bruce Rauner who made it really hard to get the money that schools needed to do things like, I don't know, provide internet access uh, for the poorest of the poor kids so we wouldn't have to depend on the kindness of wealthy people, that Bruce Rauner? He got $36.1 million from Kenny G, and Ken Griffin has given $7.5 million to help the poorest of the poor have internet access. We're supposed to be happy about that? Uh, $36.1 million to Bruce Rauner and $7.5 million to the poorest of the poor? I don't know. I think we're losing out because let me remind you one more time, Kenny, Ken Griffin spent his political money, his donations, to bolster the campaigns of politicians who were dedicated, dedicated to destroying public education as we know it in the state of Illinois. That was their mission in life. The most important thing, the most important point on their agenda was to destroy unions, like teachers unions. That was their agenda. So he gave 60 million to that political cause and then, you know, a little change, uh, 7.5 million for the computers. We're supposed to be really thankful. I would rather be able to fund the computers with taxes that we paid. I would like to think that the state of Illinois, the people of Chicago, the people of this country would think that investing money, that's what it is, investing money in the poorest communities with the poorest kids would be a worthwhile investment that we should make in order for our civilization to continue. I would like to think that's something we would consider worthy. But no, Bruce Rauner, Ken Griffin want to set up a situation where there's less money for our government to fund these programs so that they're more dependent on people like Bruce Rauner and Ken Griffin doling out a portion and a very small portion of their enormous wealth to fund things that we should be paying for anyway because they're important services that everyone needs. You know, when I say I'm the cynical one, I think they're pretty much the cynical one because they buy, what, good PR that sort of diverts attention from what they're doing on the political end of things. They buy good PR, oh, 7.5 million. The state's richest man, thank you, state's richest man, for being so generous. I'm going to forget the fact that you were supporting politicians who were trying to, who were, who were determined to destroy public education in this country. But thank you for the 7.5 million. 
Now, here's the other little interesting thing. By the way, I did some math. Thank you. Did some great math. I tallied up the amount of money in donations. Now, did you run your uh, answer by Daniel Biss, <laughs> the greatest mathematician in all of Illinois? I didn't run it by Biss. Ah, damn. Every, every time you say that name. I, I, uh, by the way, D, I went one more time. I didn't vote for Daniel Biss for governor. I voted for Latisa Wallace, there okay? Go. There you go. Latisa Wallace was who I voted for. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get over that. I don't think I'll ever get over that one with the... Uh, hey, at least you didn't vote for this guy. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our <laughs> teachers! There's the brown line. Oh, there's the brown line. You know why I voted for best? Because in those days, I was working for the progressive station, D. I was overwhelmed by all those good liberals. Ben, you should really vote for best. <laughs> okay, I'll vote for him. <laughs> I was really voting for Latisa Wallace. Well, I forget that, D. All right? Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, so I tallied up. Okay, I'm no Dan Biss. You're right, D. You're right, I'm no Who Dan Who is? <laughs> Who is? I mean, dude, even if you may be, can you juggle? <laughs> can he juggle? Yeah, I man, there's not... a lot of videos of him juggling. I did not know that. Yeah. You know what? I'm proud I voted for there him. There you go. I voted for all the jugglers and the clowns, and they did tricks for you. <laughs> you never realize it ain't no good. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> He's smart. a smart man. He's got a little side gig there. If right. politics just gives him the boot. Yeah, he can juggle. Uh, anyway. Chuck E. Cheese nearby. I mean. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, I did. A, I, I, I found my inner dad, Biss. And I did the calculations. And when I added up all the donations at the wealthy people, including Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, thank you, uh, Mr. President, kicked in. It was $12 million. Now, they, hmm. then I took the big leap mathematically. And I deducted 12 million from 50 million. Guess what? 38 million was provided by the taxpayers. That's correct. Why aren't we in the headline? Thank you, taxpayers. Okay, it's you know it's a little minor irritation of mine. Millennium Park here in the city of Chicago, and uh, Millennium Park was built with taxpayers' dollars. I don't know if you know that, ladies and gentlemen, because it's easy not to know that because we were spoon-fed all this propaganda that it was the wealthy contributions for the wealthiest citizens of Chicago and Illinois that made Millennium Park possible. And we're all supposed to go, oh, thank you, wealthy people. And they have this like uh, uh, monument with chiseled the names of people who gave money, all wealthy people. Bruce Rodgers' name is on there, D. Kicked in a little cash. Yeah, but we forget that the taxpayers... Uh, Spent most of the money to build Millennium Park. Why, why aren't our names chiseled in the stone? So you asked D, how much money did the Ben Jarofsky show give for these computers? Every year I pay my taxes. And unlike Bruce Ronner and Kenny G, I don't try to elect politicians to cut taxes. How about that, D? Yeah. In fact, I think I pay a greater portion of my income every year to taxes than Ken Griffin, Bruce Ronner, J.B. Pritzker, and... To go back to one of your favorite uh, <laughs> embarrassments, I never took the toilets out of my house to lower the amount of taxes, okay? I never invested in islands in the Caribbean to shelter my income from taxes like certain governors of the state of Illinois. I'm <laughs> not a perfect person. Man, you're just lobbing them up to me today, man. So I think I've made a greater donation, actually, to this cause than Ken, uh, Kenny G, Ken Griffin, or uh, Bruce Ron or anybody else, and even uh, President Obama. So anyway, the taxpayers are still putting up 38 million. And what are we getting for this? Well, we're getting internet service. So I'm reading the article, oh, it's very important. 
have internet service. You gotta have internet service. You gotta do the homework. All right. So then I'm reading the Chicago Tribune. I took the deep dive. D. How are you gonna Venmo without internet service? You know. I am <laughs> right. <laughs> Venmo. How are you gonna Instagram? Yeah, you're gonna do my Instagram thing. All right. So I, how are you gonna watch Gary Owen without? It's true, Dennis is, he, he's pointed out, he's exposing all my secret delights, Gary O, and I try to, I try to keep that hidden, I love Gary, you think he's hilarious. Anyway, so I go to page eight, what do I discover? Uh, it says, this effort is expected to take four years. I'm like, four years? It's gonna take four years to get internet service for the poorest kids in the poorest neighborhoods? Like, what are they supposed to do in September? It's like a whole new excuse for a kid, D. In the old days, like in the old days, if we didn't do our homework, uh, teacher, uh, my dog ate my homework. And uh, now the kid can say, oh, well, my dog. <laughs> now the kid can say, well, you know, uh, Ken Griffin only gave 7.5 million, so it's gonna take four years. So I'll get you that homework assignment in the year 2024. Does that work for you? Or try my dog ate my laptop. <laughs> See how that goes. The dog ate the laptop, that CPS. <laughs> Head in the banana stand. Hey, we got these laptops just sitting here. I'm wondering, like, why did it take them so long to give out the laptop? If they were just sitting in storage, what were you holding them on for? Um, we're waiting for the perfect moment to give these. How many generation of kids went without laptops because CPS had, like, a stockpile of laptops? Well, we want to hold on to those laptops for the perfect moment when there's a pandemic. They were, like, foreseeing in the year 2017. There's going to be a pandemic. Kids are going to really need laptops as opposed to what? Now? <laughs> I bet every kid at New Trier had a laptop in 2017. You know, kids in New Trier don't have to depend on Ken Griffin digging in a sliver of his enormous wealth to get them Internet access. And by the way, four years. Now, let me just tell you something about Ken Griffin. Ken Griffin's a hedge fund uh, operator. His ability to make gazillions of dollars on, on the drop of a hat uh, is based on his unbelievable technology that he has that enables him to buy stocks and sell stocks and move money and buy companies like in an instant. He's got all these computer geeks, like hundreds of building the fastest computers in the world. Could you imagine if the head of IT went to Ken Griffin and go, uh, boss, <clears throat> I hate to tell you this, but uh, the internet will not be working Who is for that the guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Billy Bob in research oh, for cool, Ken Griffin's cool. country. Uh, boss, uh, four years. We'll get that up in four years. Okay, I'll make that trade. I'm going to make this trade condition. Buy me 100 shares of Apple uh, in a four years. I think that IT guy would be fired. So my attitude is if Ken Griffin can have a computer system that works like this. Right now, what about the kids of the city of Chicago? Look guys, I know, I know, I know we say we care about the poorest kids in the poorest neighborhood. I know we say that. We say that all the time, we care about them. And then we see articles like this in both papers, both papers. Oh, thank you goodness for the wealthy people of the state of Illinois who are looking out for us. On one hand, they promote politicians that destroy our public educations. And then on the other hand, they give like a nickel, a nickel here, take a crumb. So in four years, you may have internet access. Good luck for the next four years, by the way, when the internet access. 
I know we say, you know, we really care about the poor kids in the city of Chicago and throughout the state of Illinois, but I got to tell you this, folks. For all our talk, we have a funny way of showing it. Most of this stuff is just PR. We got a great show today, everybody. Romana Saint will be in here. Well, she won't be technically in here. We'll be doing my phone. We're going to say, oh, my God. <laughs> Six feet. <laughs> wear, wear your mask. Uh. Anyway, a lot to talk about with Romana. See what she has to say about this computer program. This is it fired me up, D. Whenever I see something like this, you know, wealthy people give money and then uh, then then they just get the accolades and like, oh, you know, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes, like, we are such suckers. Anyway, enough on the suckers and saps in the state of Illinois and the yeah, city of to, Chicago. <laughs> and wait, hold go on. Go to this sucker. Hold on, D. I got to work on my cynicism and jadedism. Don't be cynical. Don't be cynical. Um, Jaded, don't be jaded. <sighs> yes, I feel good. <laughs> uh, the young man from Alton with the news. Hey guys, name's Dennis. Hold hey. on, let me do it. The young man from Alton, they call <laughs> Dr. Doobie with the news. Yeah, man. Happy phase four Friday. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. You excited out there? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, phase four Friday. Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week, two things. First, we'd like to remind everyone to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Not one, not two, but three. Yes, three brand new one-on-one -on -one interviews for you to download. Here is this weekend's lineup on Saturday, available by the god-awful early hour of 5 a.m. You can cock-a-doodle download <laughs> at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast, our latest city council synopsis with our good friend and Ben Jarofsky show beat reporter, Mr. Bike, David Glowatz. You had a great conversation oh, with him. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, this was, this is so worth listening to. I, you know, oh, you're going, oh, Ben, come on. I don't believe it. You're biased. Okay, I am biased. But Dave Glowatz, he, he finds these incredible quotes. Uh, and he, he just, I got to give him a lot of credit, D. He goes through all these um, hours of meetings and finds just the, the right quotes and we just take them apart and there's some quotes from the the private phone conversation you know the one we've been playing uh, for a while <laughs> my favorite exchange in the annals of chicago politics mayor Lori lightfoot and alderman raymond lopez you know that one d oh yeah yeah well he found someone that are far more actually serious and real and uh very just incredible stuff that he dug up so i yeah we we did the deep dive uh, yesterday, and I, I urge everybody to check it out when it drops tomorrow. Absolutely. And uh, in fact, here, I got it loading up here, uh, a clip of Sue Garza. We're going to do a tease, Ben. Ooh, whoa. Okay. I know. We're getting crazy. Oh, oh my We're God. We're getting crazy. Watch it now. Uh, eat your heart out, Dan. Juggle. Who needs to juggle? Listen to us tease. Uh, all right. So we, I'm loading it up right now. It's a clip of Sue Garza. This Older is woman, Sue Garza. This is very, very uh, impactful here. Uh, listen to this. Plenty more where this came from if you download this interview. All right. Here we go. Alderman Garza. Yeah, I just want to tell you guys, um, my ward is a, a shit show. 
cop cars burning, banks burning. We had to put the bridges up. And the mayor's right. The police can't keep up. And I know Michelle and Greg can attest. Fourth District is huge, and our police can't do it. They're shooting at the police. I have videos right across the street from my office of people shooting. <laughs> Sorry. I, I've never seen the likes of this. And I, I want to tell you, this kicked off in my ward this morning at about 11 o'clock. It wasn't a protest. It wasn't anything like that. It was about 40 people that showed up in the dispensary lot. And a dispensary, most of you guys know, it's like Fort Knox getting in there. There was people trapped inside. They were break, trying to break down the front door. And they were calling the police. Police couldn't get there fast enough. The employees had to escape out the back door. And they got in. I, they got through four doors. Bulletproof glass. They cleaned the place out. And then they just went from 85th and Commercial all the way down to almost 91st Street. And now they're by my office on 106th. They're in Hegwish. We had to close the roads coming from Indiana into Illinois. I've never seen anything like it. I, I'm scared. I, you know, this is broad daylight. I don't know what night is going to bring. My question is, what are we going to do for tomorrow? I, you know, sorry. I, I, I oh, it's, listen. Sue, so I can't tell you how many times I've cried today. Okay, you now. You know, here's, I'm sorry. These, these businesses are brand new. I mean, we, sorry. I, I, I just, my whole thing is I just want to make sure nobody gets hurt. And I mean, there's business owners now. I know I talked to a lot of you guys. There's business owners that are sitting there with fucking shotguns in there because they're scared somebody's going to come. I just, I put out an email. I called, my staff's been working all day, telling businesses close down, go home. Please don't stay open. I, I mean, what's going to happen tomorrow, Mayor Light? But what are we doing? And what is the role of the National Guard? Are they going to come to our wards? Or what's, what's the thing? What are we doing here? So first of all, you're expressing, I think, sentiment that a lot of us feel. This is something that we've never experienced before. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around people destroying their own neighborhood. They're and shooting. They're shooting like it's a fucking wild, wild, you know, south. It's crazy. I got videos. of. I have over 10 videos of people shooting at other people. Like, it's insane. Like, broad daylight, they're just shooting. Again, we are trying to bring in as many reinforcements as we possibly can. We've canceled days off. The National Guard will free up resources so that we can put more resources in to the neighborhoods where it's desperately needed. We also have almost 200 uh, state police. We are looking at bringing in resources from surrounding suburbs, but the truth <coughs> is they're having exactly the same problems that we are. This is a region-wide problem, and truthfully, it's a nationwide problem. So there you are. There's a little bit of that there. Yeah, that was uh, that was strong stuff, uh, and that's what I'm saying. Dave Colette's uh, extracting that. That was from the the quote-unquote private conversation between Lori Lightfoot, Alderman Lori, uh, Alderman Lori, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, excuse me, Madam Mayor, uh, and the Alderman, and I think there were over 40 Aldermen there, so obviously it was a violation of Open Meetings Act, uh, and uh, they were really talking very, like, honest terms about what was happening in their neighborhoods uh, in the days uh a Memorial Day weekend when there was so much looting and rioting and unrest in the city of Chicago. And we still haven't gotten down to the, the bottom of it, D. I, I didn't even, this is something that Dave Goetz and I talked about yesterday. I didn't mean to re go over it again, but you playing that. Uh, we still have not gotten to the bottom of just what was 
uh, the extent of the damage and uh, what was the city's response and what was the police strategy and uh, and you know it just gets into the heart of so many issues like there's a defund the police movement at the very time people like uh, Sue Garza older woman Sue Garza from the southeast side she's the 10th ward the part of the city that uh, borders Indiana uh, and uh, other aldermen are begging for police to be in their neighborhoods and so we have just a lot of complicated issues that are not easily boiled down to talking points uh, and it's not made easier uh, when there's so much recalcitrance on the part of the Fraternal Order Police to even just acknowledge that problems exist. Uh, and it's not made e any easier by reducing these very serious issues to like a statement like defund the police. So uh, I, yeah, I urge everybody to check out that interview. And um, you know what? I wish all city council meetings were as honest as the ones that they have when they don't think anyone's listening. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> And now the now the, the the takeaway from that is they're going to really bend over backwards to make sure nobody ever hears like the, the honest discussion that goes. On. Anyway, powerful stuff. Uh, my hats off to Dave Glowatz uh, for digging it out, and yeah. yeah, we take the deep dive. We can't thank him enough for that. It's a great interview. You should go download that. It's available Saturday at five a.m. On to Sunday, it's another cannabis conversation with Lisa Solomon, and this time around, her guest is one Akili Parnell. Ben, you talked with him yesterday. Well, give us a little... Uh... Akili Parnell, again, we talk, this is, uh, <laughs> can't even get the words out. I At the uh, top of this show, I talked about our really, uh, how do I put it, inconsistent, contradictory approach to helping the poorest kids in the poorest neighborhoods, where we say, you know what, we have a problem. We're in a pandemic. The poorest kids in the poorest neighborhoods can't don't have access to computers so they can do their uh, homework and schoolwork. And when there may not be school uh, in September, we don't know. I mean, there could be a, a second uh, wave of the coronavirus. So we really don't know. There could be other moments when they're not in school. So we really, it's important to have an internet program for them. So what do we do? <laughs> we, we institute a program that won't be ready for four years. So that shows you how like we do a lot of talking and not a lot of acting. And uh, Achille talks about uh, the issue of using the, uh, the legalized cannabis program to create jobs in the uh, poorest neighborhoods, to create jobs for black people who have borne the brunt of the war on crime. And we get a big fat F on that front. We got legalized reefer, but it's not helping the people uh, who have been hit the hardest by the war on crime so that's essentially the conversation we have which will drop on sunday, sunday. at 5 a.m uh the cannabis conversation with our good friend lisa solomon by the way check out the chicago reader go download it or download it go look at the website and uh, oh you can download the coloring book the chicago reader coloring book uh, they do a lot of stuff with reefer these days by the way looking to make a little reefer snack go to the chicago reader and uh, maybe get a recipe or something we love the chicago reader all right so that's on Sunday on to Monday. He may be the brightest national political mind in all of Chicago. Sorry, Ben, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. I, you don't have to apologize to me, man. He's a professor and an author. He's David Davy Boy Ferris. Yeah, no, David Ferris. Uh, he really knows what's going on politically speaking. And uh, we have not done that interview yet. We're doing it at 3.30 today after today's show and then we'll drop it monday but i've talked to him over the week and he's he's fired up to talk about what happened in kentucky what happened in uh, new york 
with the uh, this the struggle in the Democratic Party. Which way are we going to go? Are we going to go left? Are we going to stay center? Uh, he takes a deep dive on the polls, and boy, does he have a field day with Donald Trump and the insanity, the lunatic who is uh, running our country at this moment. So uh, lots of good stuff from Professor David. Ferris. And you never know what uh, one-liners he's got waiting. You know, he's a real funny guy. No, so. he is a funny guy. He's, he's really quick on his feet. Good on improv. So. <laughs> Looking forward to that conversation. So there you go. Our three Benny J bonus interviews available at both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download podcasts. That's right, live streamers. We need you to go download these. Go check them out. Tell your friends. Go share it. Uh, give us a review. Hey, you remember that rule, though, on those reviews, all right? <laughs> yep. What's that rule? Five stars Five only. Five stars only. No, 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 four stars. Get out of here. All right? <laughs> Five stars only. All right. Now, as I mentioned, according to Governor J.B. Pritzker, we are now in phase four of his five phase plan to restore the state of Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. And right now on both Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook and Twitter pages at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. A simple question. Phase four, going out or sitting it out? Yes. Uh, if you're listening live, either way in on the Facebook or Twitter page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, or you can take the dive and comment on the live stream as well. Ben Jarofsky, what about you? Going out or staying out? Me? I'm going to do what I always do, which is, I guess, going out, but ride my bike at a safe distance from everyone and go into that liquor store down the street <laughs> from me like 20 times. Yeah, I bought this giant bottle. I don't know if you saw it in the kitchen. Did you see that oh, yeah, whiskey? Evan Williams. It was like huge. It was on sale. I bought it. I'm slowly making my way through it. Really enjoy it. You know, I'm not a big drinker, but I like Yeah. I mean, I'm going to the liquor store for like snacks and stuff, you know? Yeah. Come on. I see him. He's got this little like uh, bottle he keeps in his shirt. Um, but uh, no, I'm very cautious. Uh, yes, I'm a very cautious uh, person. I see what's going on in Florida and uh, Texas throughout uh, oh, our Arizona, where uh, they opened up the states too early. I'm worrying about what might be happening in Wisconsin. Remember when they threw open the bars in Wisconsin, the Republicans got the Supreme Court uh, to, uh, to uh, rule against the governor there, and uh, they threw open the bars. People rushing in from Illinois. Remember that? Remember that story? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the parking lot's filled with cars. Uh, border. Who was the reporter that went out? And Shia Capos. Shia. She wasn't afraid. Yeah. All right? She got right the... I said to Dennis that weekend, hey, Dennis, why don't you go up to uh, Kenosha and see what's going on in the bars? He goes, negatory. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm riding my bike there. Actually, he did ride his bike I to I rode Wisconsin. my bike to Kenosha County. Oh, my God. He sent me a picture of it. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, anyway, but she she's not scared. Okay, she's not scared. Hey, D. I mean, did she get a drink there? Maybe. Who knows? But you know. <laughs> hey, hey, D. If you're scared, go to church. All right. <laughs> I quote my dad. Yeah, okay. That's, that's scared, awesome. go to church. And now, bud. Hey, listen, D. If you're scared, go to church. So she went up there and she saw it. She counted all the license, Illinois license plates in the parking lots of these border towns. And she went into the bar and some like Billy Bob at the bar from Illinois. Yeah, from Illinois. Huh? Woo! No mask, just smoking a cigarette, spitting on the person. So, you know, we've lost our minds as a country and as a people. We, we say that in the show many times. So I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm hesitant, you know, to... People in Illinois, just, I don't know, we're getting, just, I, I noticed a little smugness emerging, uh, D. You know what I'm saying? I just yeah. look like, oh, aren't we great? Well, you know what? I give Governor Pritzker a lot of credit. Folks, I mean, we tease him a lot on this show. Boy, do we ever. Uh, but I give him a lot of credit for the leadership he's exhibited, in my humble opinion. He's not, per he's not a perfect person. <laughs> but overall, he's, uh, in my opinion, he's been a good leader on this particular front. 
and uh, at least a lot better than, let's say, Ron DeSantis. Okay, the bar is low. Ron DeSantis of Florida. Hey, let's open up the beaches. Uh, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't get too smug and too cocky. Uh, so much is not known about this disease. And there's just so many people, like they say, whoa, we, are we going to quarantine the state of Illinois? Uh, are we going to quarantine? We were talking about this yesterday, D, right? Like, so are we going to allow people from uh, Arizona to come in? Uh, you know, are we going to allow people from Texas to come in? It's guys, it's not that easy. You know what I'm saying? Just to like shut down a state. We like have open borders at the state of Illinois. I was thinking about this, all the people from Illinois flocking to Wisconsin when they open the bars. Are we going to stop that? So uh, people going to Indiana, yeah, but just thinking of Sue Garza, her ward borders Indiana. People go in Indiana, get the cheap gas, get the cheap cigarettes. We're going to stop that? Indiana's a pretty wide open state. So, you know, we're exposed. We're exposed to the idiocy, in my humble opinion, of governors in other states. So we shouldn't get too smug and arrogant, uh, I mean, about our situation and too complacent, I guess is the right word, uh, going up forward. All right, so that was a, a long way. I think sitting out, sitting it out, right? Oh my God, yeah, I said sitting yeah, it out. I'm definitely sitting it out. Yeah, not indeed. My life hasn't changed. <laughs> I go for walks at late at night, or you know, when no one's around, and if I see somebody coming, I walk the other way. I put on a mask. I'm a chicken. I admit it. Yeah, that's all right. Playing it safe. Going out or sitting it out. That's the question we're asking all of you on the Facebook and Twitter page. Weigh in on the live stream as well. Let us know why. We have a few of you who've weighed in. We're going to read those in moments, but let's move on to the news. Now, I feel like we've done this a few times, but let's just run through real quick what being in phase four actually means. All right. This is from WGN. Thanks. Phase four will allow for the reopening of businesses such as health and fitness, movies and theater. Oh, Ben's like sort of excited about it he's cautiously thinking about uh, okay no. <laughs> sitting it out museums and zoos as well as indoor dining at restaurants it will also allow for expanded gathering sizes increasing the limit from 10 to 50 people or fewer this expanded gathering limits our limit extends to key activities like meetings events and funerals museums can reopen with no more than 25 percent occupancy zoos can reopen with no more than 25 percent occupancy if you see a big long line at the zoo there's why <laughs> oh man i want to see the snakes <laughs> i want to see the snakes too man maybe i'll be in line as well uh cinema and theater indoor seated theaters cinemas and performing arts centers to allow admission of the lesser of up to 50 guests or 50 percent of overall theater or performance space capacity outdoor seated spectator events uh, can resume with no more than 20 percent of seating capacity and uh, day camps water-based activities permitted in accordance with idph guidelines no more than 50 percent of facility capacity with group size of no more than 15 participants in a group unless participants changing weekly this is the last phase until Illinois can completely reopen. Phase five isn't expected to happen until there's a vaccine yeah. or of an effective treatment. Governor Pritzker announced a new tool to track county by county progress in the fight against the uh, novel coronavirus Thursday. But as the state readied to enter the next phase of reopening, he also warned that he would not hesitate yep. to move certain regions backward if progress subsides. Yeah, certain regions backward. So, hey. Uh, Darren Bailey, did you hear that? That's like a 
little bow to you, DB Darren Bailey, state representative from downstate Illinois. Who's going to feed them hogs? <laughs> who doesn't believe that the coronavirus is a serious uh, threat? Who doesn't believe we need to wear face masks? Who believes any attempt to uh, protect the citizenry of Chicago is the first step to tyranny? That DB, Darren Bailey, the, the leader of the Republican Party uh, in the state of Illinois at the moment, and who also uh, does not believe it's a negative thing to have people with swastikas uh, at his rallies. That Darren Bailey, yes. So DB, uh, how about that from JB? Hey, DB, JB. Uh, JB <laughs> gave you a little shout out there with the, the certain phases. How about that, DB? So, yeah, you know, Jay, uh, Pritzker, that's why I always give Pritzker a little more credit than Lori Lightfoot because he has to deal with the Darren Baileys of the world on this issue. And, you know, everybody in, I mean, Chicagoans love Lori Lightfoot. You know, when she shuts down the Lightfoot, oh, yeah, shut us down some more, Mayor Lightfoot. <laughs> Arrest us. Arrest yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Throw so, away the key. Yeah, <laughs> we will lock you up. So, uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, good good job, JB. Way to go, JB. And uh, yeah, I like JB. You like JB? Yeah, he's he's just you know he's good. He's a regular guy. Yeah, he's except right. for the two point five billion part. Other than that, real regular guy. Wait, you said JB, not DB, right? Yeah, JB. Oh, okay, cool. We will shut you down. <laughs> we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you. To jail. Oh God! When, when, yeah. When our North Side listeners hear that, they just they start weeping. D. They love it. They more, more. All right, live stream chat. You're awesome. Uh, you're weighing in with your uh, if you're going out or sitting it out. We're gonna get to that in moments here. Okay. Uh, now we go to the Illinois political bulldogs over at Illinois Politico and Juan Shia Capos. Uh, Politico did a great job in this piece on police reform. All right, we're entering phase four on the state's reopening, but the world will never be the same, say Illinois lawmakers who hope silver linings emerge from this era of COVID and social upheaval. We're expanding, or, oh, we've expanded broadband internet, telehealth, and mail-in voting are already transforming the country. And as companies realize they can operate successfully and save a ton of money with employees working at home, like us, Ben. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Porta potty. Know all about that. <laughs> With employees working at home, there will certainly be permanent changes to the real estate market too. But according to Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker, the most profound change could be in police reform. He said, quote, the protest movement that came out of the George Floyd murder will have a permanent effect on policing and mm -hmm. a permanent effect on how we look at investment in communities that have been left out and left Behind. This is what he told Playbook, and he said there's a real impetus to bring about change. How about Representative Bobby Rush? He's been fighting racism since the 1960s. He expects we'll look back on today as the, quote, unfortunate past. He sees a police force transformed, more diverse, and embedded in communities that will be safer and healthier. This is what he told Playbook after the House passed a sweeping police reform bill. Uh, although the House managed to move legislation, it did do so with few Republican votes. And in the Senate, everything went to hell. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I just... Yes, the Senate all went to hell in the Senate. Continue reading, D. I just... All right. Well, help myself, resist myself there. We got one more politician here, and we'll ask your thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, how about Jan Schakowsky? Mm. Oh, she's, uh, she gave us a quote here, and very wordy. <laughs> from Evanston. Yeah. My wow, hometown. Evanston, fancy schmancy writing here. Uh, Jan Schakowsky, who spoke to Playbook before that vote, said she's never seen before, prompting, uh, what was that word again we went over, Ben? Uh, rec recalcitrant. Recalcitrant. Mm-hmm. 
decision makers to acquiesce to change. Joukowsky expects the activism will push Trump out of office in November and in turn bring uh, bring about, quote, one of the most progressive eras in the United States, one that will see more women and minorities run for office and expands voting by mail. She says, we're already seeing people who were unwilling to leave the line in order to vote. This is a different moment, she said, pointing to primaries held in other states this week. Ben, your thoughts? Well, a lot of, lots of different things are, were thrown into that article. And uh, the enthusiasm, listen, I'm fired up as much as anybody else uh, to get a huge turnout in November to defeat Donald Trump. Everyone knows that. But and the specific issue of police reform, which is what the article ostensibly was about, we are so far away as a society for making the changes that the reformers want. And there's a tremendous resistance, particularly in the part of police unions, to this change. And so what legislation that was passed in the House got stymied in the Senate, uh, which is far, which the Senate is controlled by Republicans. And at the moment, uh, the Republican Party is basically following the lead of the police unions on the issue of something like, let's say, chokeholds. Should they be banned? That's just one example. Or immunity. Should police be given blanket immunity uh, in matters of when they're challenged, when they're sued for their behavior performance? So these are some of the issues that were in, that the Senate and the House, the Republicans and the Democrats cannot find a compromise for. So to predict at this moment that we're going to have reform is a little overly optimistic. Uh, in regards to the city of Chicago, you know what I would like to see? I would like to see what we were talking about earlier with Alderwoman Sue Garza. I would like to see a breakdown and analysis of what our police did in the days following the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, when there was so much unrest in the city of Chicago. What was the strategy of the city of Chicago? How did it deploy uh, its police? What was the plan? What's our plan right now going forward uh, to deploy uh, police? You know, we talk about this with Dave Glowatz in yesterday's show at great length about sort of the wise guy uh, bill that was uh, submitted by Anthony Napolitano, an alderman from the 41st Ward, uh, who is himself a former police officer that says to the defund the police people, oh, you don't want police in your neighborhoods? Well, then uh, if you want to defund the police, you will lose your police and we'll get them. And so... We're not really having an honest discussion about these issues in the city of Chicago. We have a lot of people, and we have people in separate camps yelling at each other. So we're not at that moment, D, where we're uh, really working together in harmony, which I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. Never been, I've been living in the city a long time. I've been seeing these same issues come and go for years and years. Yeah. And so the harmony part of working together and dealing with just some facts and just try to be as dispassionate as we can about these very difficult, complex issues, I've never seen happen. So it's just something as basic as, like something as, you mentioned Bobby Rush, something as basic as were the police officers who camped out in Bobby Rush's office, were they sent to that office by a command from the the police department? Were they following orders when they went into Bobby Rush's office? That's just a first basic question that has never been answered. 
How many weeks later is it? De- I don't know if we'll ever get it. Someone's going to have to file a FOIA request to get the city to provide that basic information. The Fraternal Order of Police said, oh, they were just following orders. They were told to go there. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Bobby Rush said, no, nobody asked them to come there. Well, that's a little different. Nobody asked them to come there. So, okay, I'm guessing that that means that Bobby Rush himself or his chief of staff did not say, hey, please come to our office. But I don't know. Did the commander downtown say go to Bobby Rush's office? Do you know what I'm saying, D? It's just like a, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing. It's like information that will enable us to see how our city operates and how decisions are made when it comes to policing and whether we're right to castigate the police officers completely and fully. Yeah, whatever order it was, I can guarantee you it wasn't, it didn't allow you to break into the popcorn and the coffee. You know what I'm saying? And maybe more officers than were needed got wind of, the fact that there were uh, sofas in the office and they came in to take a break. Maybe that part is true too. That would be part of what we would discover if there was anything resembling transparency in this town. But there's not. It's just like that. I'm going to get started, D. The no, computer do it, thing. Do it. The computer thing. That's like, hey, be happy, Chicago. There's going to be free internet service for a hundred thousand kids whoa whoa and then you read down there in four years come on people so i don't know uh are we on uh are we are we at a moment in time where we're gonna have police reform i really don't know t yeah here's chicago right here what harmony i got your harmony right here (laughs) you put some harmony put on raylo here's your harmony Douchebag. Uh, Chicago Harmony, yeah. Also, by the way, got some popcorn going. <laughs> got me in the mood. Uh, talk, the yeah, Bobby Rush talk, you know. It'll be uh, done in a minute, and the break will eat some, all right? All right, moving on. Uh, one more story we want to cover here. Uh, it comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Stefano Esposito. Uh, speaking of police here, a South Loop youth activism group mm. that says it was illegally raided by Chicago police and other city officials during recent protest has filed a federal lawsuit claiming race uh, racism prompted uh, the search May 30th. Leaders in the Chicago Freedom School say they were merely providing a safe space for protesters when police in riot gear arrived along with representatives from the city's Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection who issued a cease and desist order for violating a city code about serving and preparing food. I'll read a quote and we'll go to you, Benny J. Oh my God, I'm all. <laughs> Come on, this one. Well, yeah. Maybe you can weigh in on I this I saw quote. this one in the bright one and the Tribune. Go the, ahead. The quote yeah. comes from Lloyd Joey Mogul, M-O-G-U-L, Mogul, I don't know. Mogul. Mogul. Quote, they have not bought or they have not brought these illegal trumped up charges against any other youth services organizations for doing the precise same thing they all do, which is provide commercially prepared food to its young participants. All right, that's the quote there. Ben, let it rip. All right. Again, the issue, the larger issue. What was our strategy in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder? What was our plan? How was it implemented? Was there a plan? Was there a strategy? Did, was the mayor's office working in conjunction with the police department, the leaders of the police department and the local aldermen, et cetera? That's what we should be exploring as we go forward. 
this particular incident, this is unbelievable. Now, this is an allegation. It's a lawsuit. So, again, there's, to really understand what happened, you got to hear what the other side says. But the allegation is horrendous. So, this youth service operation was providing shelter to protesters. The police came in and shut them down. If that wasn't bad enough, and this is the part that I find, I don't know why I fixate on this, D, but this is so Chicago. They sent in some muckety-muck from the city to write him up for not having a license. Are you kidding me to provide food? Sue Garza is talking about just rioting in the streets, gunfire, people's lives in danger, and the city of Chicago is sending in an inspector to write him up because they were giving out pizza to protesters. They didn't have a license. On the day of a birthday, every business in Chicago, every office building in Chicago is in violation of that. When the old days were at the bright one, they were always having pizza parties, like someone had a birthday or something. You know, are they going to send in building inspectors? I mean, it shows a level of coordination there that is truly, it's baffling on one hand and frightening on the other, that the police are working in conjunction. What was it? Was it the building department? I can't remember which one. An inspector comes in and writes them up. Uh, you do not have a permit to give out that pizza. I mean, why do you care, city of Chicago, if they're providing shelter to protesters? A place where a protester, I don't know, it's, a, it's the reverse of the police going to Bobby Rush. The police said they needed a place to, re, to rest, use the bathroom, okay? So the protester needs a place to rest. They were welcomed in by the operators. What do you care, city of Chicago? Why are you harassing them? Do you have proof that there was like some criminal activity going in there? Well, like there were, there were criminals hiding out. And I don't know. I'm making stuff up like as to why the police could possibly care. I could tell you this. There's no reason why the building inspector should care. We're going to start cracking down on pizza parties and office buildings in the city of Chicago. Uh, you don't have a license, sir. You cannot uh, have a pizza. Oh, you can, can you give out popcorn? Speaking of popcorn. D, when I saw this was one of those things where I'm, I'm like yelling, <laughs> typical me in the morning. Are you kidding me? They sent in an inspector? I've done stories about this in the past, folks. The city of Chicago, you, it's always selective when they send in the inspector. If they want to shut a business down, they have ways of shutting a business down. And I always like, uh, I've, I've had business people come to me, this back in the 90s did stories about this. They were getting harassed by inspectors. And I was like, who did they irritate? What powerful person in the chain of command did they uh, offend? And so now they're using that powerful person is using his or her clout to shut them down. So when I read this, day, I was like, oh, my God, some things never change in the city of Chicago. Mayors come, mayors go. Daily, Rom, Lightfoot. And this nonsense is still going on. So I love to see a little transparency, D. Love to see the city council hold some hearings. Why were inspectors sent to crack down on this youth service center for serving pizza? All right, let's go to the live stream chat here. Jay Marie weighed in here. She said, I feel like this story should have been uh, way bigger. What do you think about that? Which story? The story we just talked about. Absolutely. I'm with you, Jay Marie. And maybe it will get better, it, it, bigger. It, uh, it's, it's a lawsuit, so uh, there may be you know, information that comes out uh, through depositions, et cetera, and so forth. We'll have to follow this one. 
All right, now let's go to our comments here. Uh, going out or sitting it out? We're in phase four of J.B. Pritzker's uh, five-phase strategy to reopen Illinois. Uh, you know, I got a feeling a lot of people are going to be sitting it out here, but let's go to uh, everybody who's weighed in. I got the Facebook page open. I have the Twitter page open, and a lot of you have waited on the live stream chat. So let's get going here. All right, our first comment on the Facebook page came from the one and only Pat Rod. All right, Pat Rod, devotee of the Ben, Jar the guy who made his own Ben Jarowski show shirt. You know, it's a cool shirt, man. We, damn, we need more shirts. <laughs> we need, we need more shirts. <laughs> we need more shirts. Is in we need two shirts. <laughs> He's the only one with a shirt. We got to go from zero to two. <laughs> Pat says, uh, as an antibody carrying survivor, I'm going out. Good. Oh, so he had it. Yeah, he had it. I'm glad to see you're uh, doing well. Yeah, I'm glad to see you're still listening. Uh, Elda says, sitting it out. No, thank you. I know where I've been, but only the good Lord baby Jesus knows where you've been. Yeah, Not about. judging, just don't know. Yeah, valid point. Valid point. <laughs> Can't argue with that one. Elda, that was a great comment. Uh, on to the Twitter page. Oh, well, I mean, this has nothing to do, but here with just a question. Uh, can someone explain why Ben is so embarrassed to have voted for Dan Biss? I must have missed something. That's from uh, Blom, Blom de Boyan. I don't know. Uh, why, why, why is that, Ben? Well, okay. And it's an excellent question. And we probably discussed it at an earlier show a few times. And this happens so many times with Dennis and myself. We have a discussion and then we extract one point from that discussion, which we continue forever. And then we've lost like connection to the original explanation. Uh, the main reason is I, my vote for Dan Biss was essentially a protest vote. I did not, I figured that JB Pritzker was going to win. Uh, the polls all showed he was going to win and he won decisively. So I wanted to, to make a vote that would just articulate my concern about where the democratic party was going in that, in the direction of, you know, um, signing on to centrist billionaires, all right? And so I had a choice. Dan Biss, uh, who was, was saying all the right things a little earlier in his career, he actually wasn't doing all the right things in terms of many progressive legislative issues. He was kind of drinking that rom Kool-Aid in the early, like 2010, 2011. Or Bob Diver, and who was the downstate Democrat, who's a real New Deal Democrat, and a voice for progressive politics in an area that uh, is overwhelmingly Trump or has a lot of Trump people. Dennis voted for Bob Diver. He won me over when he said uh, all this stuff going on with the rhetoric and everything. That's yeah, just, quote, tavern talk. Uh, you got my vote, pal. And uh, and I, I should have voted for Diver because in many ways he's a union man. Uh, he was a teacher. And uh, I just I felt that he was closer to me ideologically than Dan Biss was. But... <laughs> I allowed some of my friends of the North Side progressive persuasion, will let it go, who told me uh, that you should vote for Biss because he will lose, but more, the more votes he gets, that will push Pritzker to the left. So I went with that. And then it just, you know, I'm just like, Dennis is bragging all the time. I voted for Diver. And I'm like, oh, I wish I voted for Diver. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> I voted for Diver. And that's kind of how it came about. I was like, Wish I had voted for Diver because some, you know, like the, whoever I voted for was going to lose. So I want to be able to say I voted for the cool guy, you know. And it's that kind of funny thing. Bob Diver is a cool guy. If you, he's been on the show a few times. You've heard him. You went, the last thing you'd say he's cool. He's like just a basic down to earth guy. So anyway, that's the joke, and it's been, uh, you know, it's just been distilled into my regret for voting for Dan Biss. Hey, Colonel Underpants weighed in. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, what is the Colonel? Colonel Underpants. <laughs> Sitting it out or going out, yeah. Colonel Underpants says, I do not see enough reduction in COVID cases to justify the risk. I'll continue to do curbside pickup for at least two more months, if not longer. Yeah, Colonel Underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he come up with that name? A great comment from an odd name. But uh, by the way, going back, just one last thing. A big fan of Latisa Wallace, who is Dan Biss's running mate. She's been on the show many times. And so now the joke is, I didn't really vote for Dan Biss. I voted for Latisa Wallace. So. <laughs> Going forward, when I say that, Whoa. that's the joke. Sorry about that, guys. I leaned on the button there, the punch button. Uh, how about Reflex? Reflex weighed in. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter is so Twitter, bizarre. man. God bless you, Twitter. Reflex says, don't forget, thousands of protesters gathered everywhere. Predictable that everyone's leaving that out. Oh, pushing back. Uh, it's, it's Twitter, dude. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what, whatever. You know, God bless All right. You. Hey, our good friend Jerry Brown weighed in. He said, well, Texas, Florida, and California all reopened places like restaurants and bars and other venues and infection rates, number of cases, soared. Just this morning, Texas governor called for all bars to shut down again. Think I'll be sitting this one out, Ben. Jerry Brown, pride and joy of the south side of Chicago, used to come on the show. Yes. That Jerry Brown? That Jerry Brown. Jerry, I'm with you. How about that? We got to bring Jerry Brown back and Tom Shepard. Remember those days, D? Uh, the south side political. We haven't had the, the political know-it-alls in a while. I'll make a mental note. But yeah, uh, we haven't Brown. had the, the two fellers either. Uh, <laughs> the two, two fellers snacking. Uh, got to get uh, them on sometime. Dave Feller and... Uh, Jamie Andrade. All right. Our good friend Fred on the live stream chat says, going out with caution. Rose says, staying home. Uh, we're going to go to, let's see, what else we got here? Thanks for everybody for weighing in here with your comments, going out or sitting it out. Uh, I don't know. I think that's all we got here, honestly. So there you are. Keep them coming. I'll try and read these as we move along today. Uh, going out or sitting it out. It's phase four. I'm, like I said, I'm going out, but just doing what I always do, just going to one little place and riding my bike and staying the hell away from everyone. So there you are. Uh, we're going to take a little break here. Anything else you'd like to mention before we move on, Ben? Absolutely not. All right. Ramana Hussein's coming up. It's Friday. That means it's time for another Ramana rundown. Uh, we're going to find out what's on her mind and what she suggests to watch over the weekend. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from Ben's attic. And like we always do about this time, how about a little Michael Girardi? Uh, let's do tax increment financing. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's attic. <laughs>
Okay, I was going to try to call Romana, and the song just did it. Bam, just like Hello. that. Hey, how's it going, Romana? Good. Hey, good, How good. Are you? Doing good. Sorry about that, everybody. Go download uh, Michael Girardi's songs at Bandcamp. You'll hear the whole thing, and they won't get interrupted abruptly like that. All right, welcome back to the show. It's time for the Romana Rundown with Romana Hussein. Romana Hussein, the Chicago Sun-Times editor, columnist. Don't forget the columnist part of that uh, on our show every Friday. Although she won't be here next Friday, we're giving her... A much-deserved day off, uh, and she's going to do something, but she's not going to be on our show, but uh, she'll be here the following Friday, et cetera, and so forth. So, Romana, welcome back, and um, I know you have the opening of the state on your mind, one of the things on your mind. Are you ready to open up the state and uh, go to movies and go to restaurants and go to the beauty parlor, et cetera, and so forth? The question we asked on Facebook was... Uh going out or uh, not going out basically um i think i mean if it was up to me and i didn't have to worry about um coronavirus i would be ready to go out everywhere all the time but i i am ready to go out and i actually just went to the dermatologist this morning that i went my and got my eyebrows threaded right after that um and i haven't gone out any restaurants yet even though they were outside i haven't i've ordered but i haven't eaten outside yet but i probably will next week but even so when i do i don't think it's gonna be something that i'm doing all the time i don't think i'm gonna be rushing out i'm gonna try to avoid going out as much as i can but that doesn't mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stay in i think i'm gonna try to at least do as much as i can but still take precautions because you know we still got to wear the mask so it's not going to be totally completely normal i mean going to the theater sounds great but uh, the question is will we be wearing masks when we're watching a movie i don't know if i want to do that right now right away let's zero in on that because one of the things that roman and i share is a love for going to the movies and in the good old days before the pandemic we would always talk what movie are you going to see this weekend and what theater are you going to we have some of the same theaters that we share a love for and uh so 
you ask me and then I'm going to ask you, I'll answer and then I'll answer. I want to go to the movies. My wife and I have been talking about this and we're both right now not ready to take that plunge, even though there's going to be social distancing required. They're going to not sell. They're going to limit the number of seats that they sell. So you're spread out. But you know what? There's always some guy without a mask. You know what I'm saying? And you know, just the other day, uh, my wife was telling me that she went into uh, the local uh, drugstore and there was a guy without a mask uh, and she felt here. So what do you do? Do you go up to him and say, put a mask on, sir? Do you go tell the, you know what I mean? Or do you just walk out of the store and say, that's it? It's, so I, I guess that's kind of where I am a little hesitant uh, because one of our listeners pointed out, you're dependent on everyone else. And if you're dependent on other people doing the right thing, it can be a dangerous. That's kind of my attitude. I'm a little hesitant right now to go to movies. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a little, I, I want to go out. You know, I'm ready to go out. I don't know if I'm going to go out to the movies right away. I don't know if you've ever been to drive-in, but, you know, drive-ins are coming back in and people are having drive-ins. I think there's some drive-ins in the suburbs. I've never been to a drive-in in my life. So if I did, it'd be the first time. But I don't know if there's any place around here. Um, the theater is a little tricky because you're inside and, you know, these days movies can run for up to three hours. So do you want to be in an enclosed area for three hours? I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know, now they're going to, starting today, they're allowing restaurants, they have 25% capacity inside. And I don't know if I'm ready to eat inside yet. Eating outside, I can easily do. Um, but even then, I think, you know, it's hard if you're eating inside can't eat with your mask on so you kind of have to keep taking it on and off so i don't know if it's going to be a fun experience so um i think if it comes to outdoor activities i'm okay with it um indoor activities i you know i'm seeing my family you know i'm not hanging out with them for that long but you know every once in a while i'll see them you know we all wear masks but they do slowly come off but this is like in an, an area you know or if we're outside so um, I'm glad that things are opening up um, for especially for people who have businesses and, you know, have been hurting. But I think people who are aware that this is still, you know, a, you know, coronavirus hasn't disappeared. So I think that we're still aware of that. So we just have to keep in mind that we got to keep precaution. When I do see someone without a mask, um, I just try to move away six feet. Um, I'm not going to be one of those people that are like scolding people. Um, I, I was at a grocery store a few days ago and, it said that, you know, wear gloves and they had like a pile of gloves and this woman like looks at me and she's like, you know, I, I forgot to put the gloves on. I had my mask on and she like, you know, starts scolding me and tells me to put my gloves back on. So I put the gloves on. So, you know, I went back and, you know, I, I totally didn't see the sign and then I was putting it on and she was staring at me the whole time to make sure that I was putting it on. And, and just from what I know from medical experts, it's mostly from people to be pulled. You can't get it from contact. So I think the gloves are a little excessive. So I'm one of those people who are just kind of in the middle. I'm cautious, but I'm not totally anal where I'm going to like start screaming at people if they don't have a mask on or, you know, someone coughs. I just think, I think people have gotten so like crazy over this on one hand, but then I'm not like going to be one of those people who are like, I'm not wearing a mask. Nothing of this is happening. I think you have to be, I think you have to be sensible without being a total crank. That's the way I see it. Well, you know, it's funny to listen to you. I, I, I had this notion of Larry David, uh, his 
next season's episodes if they ever get around to filming them so many moments with larry david not wearing the mask or wearing the mask and getting into i could just see him having all these bizarre exchanges with people about masks not wearing them and i mean i make fun of myself on this point yesterday I went to the dentist and i'm so used to wearing a, a mask i asked the hygienist should i take the mask off and she's like uh <laughs> sir <laughs> Uh, dentist ever heard of it uh so uh anyway yeah that's the thing we're so we're we're so used to it i went to the dermatologist today and i had a i had a little wart on my face i don't know if you noticed it but my mask was covering it and then i told the doctor i'm like oh should i you know should should i keep my mask on and obviously like i need it off for her to take care of it so i had the same thing happen to me um what, and also, one of the things I was going to mention, um, I'm, I'm actually watching our meeting and watching closed caption right now, which I thought was a good idea while I'm on your show. Uh, you know, we're not we're not going to, sometimes none of us are going to be in the office, at least until Labor Day. So that depresses me a little, I can tell you that much. So even though we're opening up, we're not completely opening up. And I think when our office does finally open up, um, we're not going to be normal. You know, maybe not everybody's going to be coming into the office at one time. So I just think it's... Uh, a little sad that I'm not going to see like, you know, the whole team in one place, mm -hmm. at least until Labor Day. Yeah. That means that we're probably not going back to our studio anytime soon. So, uh, uh, we're stuck in the attic, uh, for the foreseeable future. All right, let's move on from opening up and talk about the issue of, oh my God, changing names, tearing down statues, memorials, etc. Uh, radical rethinking of, of, of what we took, took took for granted for all these years. And then on the local front, Lane Tech Indians. They've been the Indians for as long as I can remember. And now there's a move to change the name. And it turns out that your high school, Niles West, went through a similar uh, name change a few years back. Were, were you were they the Indians when you were there, Ramana? I heard they yeah, were the they, they, they were they were the Indians when I was there. I should tell you, um, when I was in high school, um, Native American groups had come to our school and they had also come to University of Illinois at Champaign um, just to let um, people, let our schools know, let schools know that this was an offensive thing, the symbol was offensive. The one thing I should tell you about our school is that we actually had for the boys wrestling team, we had this thing called quote, the savage of the week um, for like a wrestler that was really good and it had a picture, you know, and then the whole like, Black or wherever they had the names of the quote savage of the week it was like this indian you know with a tomahawk standing there with like you know in all angry so it was a it was definitely an offensive symbol and i, I remember feeling that it was offensive back then um and then we also had um a student dress up as a native american we had a high school mascot and they would do dances you know quote unquote indian dances uh during pep rallies i actually interviewed sophomore year for the new school newspaper, I interviewed the mascot at the time, and I'd like to look at what I asked her. But I remember, um, you know, we had a debate in Spanish class when I was high school because, you know, this was proposed when I was in high school, and I was I was on the side of getting rid of the mascot. And um, a couple of years down the line, I think when my younger sister, my younger sister's nine years younger than me, they I think they they might have become the wolves by then. So now they're the Niles West wolves. And I always joke that, you know, I am South Asian, so I am Indian, but the rest of the school isn't. So, I mean, most of the kids in the school weren't. But, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, didn't understand why it was offensive 
I mean, we still have the Washington Redskins, don't we? And then when you go to Atlanta Braves games, um, they do the tomahawk chop, which is pretty offensive to anybody. But, you know, Native American groups have complained about that. So I would think that that's that's heading in the right direction, especially when Native Americans have been saying that these uh, school mascots and, you know, the names have been offensive to their group in a long time. I know a lot of people mentioned that, you know, they mentioned the Notre Dame, I guess, mascot. Isn't it a leprechaun or is it? Is that someone else? The Notre Dame Fighting Irish, that's their... Uh, yeah, the Fighting Irish. And that uh, a leprechaun, I believe, is their mascot. I believe that is correct. Yeah, and so I know people bring that up whenever they want to just, you know, defend the Native American mascots and symbols, but I think that's a completely different um, situation. You know, Irish Americans, yes, they were um, definitely discriminated against uh, when they first arrived in this country, but the Irish Americans were not their history, their trajectory in American history is very different from the Native Americans. Absolutely. And uh, I always, <laughs> we're on a tangent here, but this argument's been going on for a long time. And I've always found it strange when someone who went to Notre Dame dismisses the concerns that people have about saying the name of the team in Washington. And my dear friend, Kevin Blackstone, I just want to give another shout out to him a sports reporter, a columnist extraordinary, uh, who's put, put, uh, doing a movie, lifelong Washington fan, and he's uh, making a movie. He was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about his movie to try to force Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team, to change the name of that team. And so uh, Kevin and I have a, a, an agreement that we're not going to say the name of the team. It's part of my agreement with my, my dear old friend. Um, but I always thought it was like, really ignorant when a Notre Dame fan would tell me, well, Ben, I don't care. If, I'm Irish. I don't care uh, that they're yeah. calling. I'm like, well, that just tells the difference between people, the um, the immigration, the uh, what is the word I'm trying to think about, the uh, Irish people f- fitting into this country as opposed to Native Americans or black yeah. people. And it's like, well, I'm not offended when people say, you know, Bad names about me. Why aren't black people? Come on, guys. Well, you know, I remember this one. Like so many Jewish people really offended by Jewtown. You know, when you call Jewtown, yeah. the area around Maxwell Street, when I first moved to Chicago, that's the first thing I heard. There's Jewtown. And Jewish people, you know, that's offensive because that that's all about ghettos. And this that's the Jewish experience in this country. And the Greek people, well, I don't care when they call it Greek town. Well, maybe your experience of Greeks and Jews isn't exactly the same. Did you ever think of that? You know what I'm saying, Romana? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Like, people are equating, you know, their people's experience with, sorry, my phone's ringing, with the Native American experience, (laughs) which is completely different um, than the way the Irish came here and immigrated and assimilated. And with Native Americans, this was their land. And, uh people came and had had killed them basically you know the, the condition of the native american has never recovered mm-hmm. you know we can say the irish americans were or the italian americans were discriminated against when they came here but let's face it look in chicago if you have an irish last name they'll help you with the election oh yes <laughs> it's funny uh yeah although, although the last election we had a conversation about this with some of the uh, democratic democratic party insiders um women 
with Hispanic last names are doing better and better politically. And many of the the politicians in Chicago really study these things in terms of like who wins in judicial races and who wins in committeeman races, bottom of the ballot type races, are starting to realize that there's a value in Hispanic names, which... Yeah, is- and that makes sense because, you know, the Latino population is growing. And But I still think that if you have an Irish last name, it definitely helps. Like, I knew a judge. I mean, I'm not saying she can become judge because of uh, her last name, but uh, Judge Nira Walsh, um, she's Indian, but her last name is Walsh. She married a guy named Walsh. And I, I, I might have made a joke about, with her about, like, her last name and whether that helped her win the election. But I still think if you have an Irish last name, it definitely helps. You might have made a joke with her? I guarantee you you made a joke with her if I know <laughs> Romana. Uh, all right, now this brings me to Eric Zorn's column, today's Tribune. I don't know if you saw it, but it doesn't matter because I'll uh, boil it down to you. By the way, Eric Zorn's a big fan of of R- the Romana Rundown, even though if he complains from time to time about the sound of it. <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Eric's uh, wrote a, a very interesting column. Cancel Palooza is on, but now, team, it's getting out of hand. This is the headline in Eric's column today. Uh, and he runs through, there's a, a conservative website, the National Review Online's ca- uh, Cancel Counter, which goes about listing all the uh, complaints by people of the lefty persuasion against names and, um, uh, and uh, monuments. And his, the, the basic point is that uh, it's getting out of hand uh, and it's going to... R- uh, it's going to be counterproductive for the left because it's going to lead, uh, as Eric writes, I think each new item on the list is a gift to the political right. If we push these moderate voters away with a triumphant orgy of opportunistic cancellation, they'll go to the polls in November and effectively cancel the gains of this burgeoning movement. So I'm not quite in, the, uh, in agreement with them on that point. It's like, oh, moderate voters are so sensitive that if we t- tear down the wrong uh, statue, they'll vote for the lunatic uh, who is encouraging people to jam into a church without masks but it's he ma- raises a good point and he talks about the statue in madison wisconsin to hans christian Hegg, an abolitionist and prison reformer killed fighting on the union side of the civil war a protester told associated press the statue was offensive because it suggested Wis- wisconsin is racially progressive when its prison system incarcerates too many african-americans i think that by the way was a justification for tearing down the statue uh, after they had torn it down uh, without even knowing what the statue was. That's just me. So what's your general thoughts uh, on this uh, subject, Romana? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I know a lot of my friends um, and people that I know said that they don't, they don't really like this cancel and call out culture. On the other hand, um, I think this happened because people were never called out before. I think this is a reaction to the silence that we've endured for all these years. And especially as a person of color, I can tell you that it's tended up anger for all the times that we have to just stand there and just accept what people tell us and, you know, the, the white supremacy that's kind of enforced on us. And I'm not saying that, like, as, you know, wow, you know, I, I'm personally, like, I was someone that, you know, I'm, not, I'm a journalist now, but I am someone that would be protesting certain things if I wasn't a journalist because I'm a protester by nature. I did protest the Iraq war when I was in college and among other things. Um, but I, I don't know if I personally would ever destroy a statue, but the statues of like, you know, say the Confederates, that was definitely, I could, I could easily say that as a person of color, I don't have any problems with those statues being taken down. 
I think with this case where this abolitionist, you know, was broken down, I think it was just the reaction and the response. They see another statue of a white guy. And so, you know, everybody's so angry and the reaction, um, you know, is just like, we just want to get rid of it. And at the University of Wisconsin also, they want to get rid of the Lincoln statue. That's the latest that I've heard. Um, they, you know, there's this black student union there. I think, I think that's what the group is called. I could be wrong. It's a, a group of mostly African-American students. They pointing out that even though Abraham Lincoln was um, against slavery, he was not pro-black. And, you know, like many people at the time, he thought the white race was superior and that he didn't think whites and blacks should be marrying, you know, marrying each other. So that is the point they were making. So I was saying that, you know, if we did get rid of that Lincoln statue, personally, um, I live in the land of Lincoln. There's a lot of a lot of other statues. And, you know, D.C., we see statues of Lincoln there, too. So I don't know. I think that's that's one that's debatable. I think a lot of people would agree with me because people feel like, you know, if it wasn't for Lincoln, um, there would be, you know, who knows what would happen. But But also, I think it's a good thing to think about is that, you know, even though Lincoln is credited for that, he sometimes is given like more when it comes to like black history and, you know, people talk about um, African-Americans, it's like Lincoln takes precedent over everything. I don't know if you remember just this year for black history month, uh, president Lincoln, the CTA had president Lincoln, like walking, you know, a guy dressed up like president Lincoln, like he was a symbol for black history month. And so I think they got rid of him once. You know, one, some people on Twitter got caught wind of it. So I think it's kind of, I think, again, this is a reaction to, you know, the white savior or just like, you know, certain figures in history given more credit than they should. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Lincoln statue should necessarily be taken down. Like I said, I think that's one that is more debatable. And I think people probably feel strongly. I just think that the way people are responding is just tented up anger and a reaction to you know, the silence that it, the silence and the, you know, a lot of things that have been endured or accepted as, as, as normal. Yeah. I mean, if you even watch, you know, we both like watching movies. When I watch movies now that I thought were really funny from like 20, 30 years ago, I just find so many problems. Like they were so racist and sexist. And one of the things I was telling my husband, Mick, when I watched bad news bears, when I was a kid, um, there was this little boy and there was an African-American boy. And I remember at the time, me and my family friends were watching at his birthday party. The kid was Muslim. So we were all just excited because we never saw a, Muslim, a little kid as a Muslim. And, uh, you know, they called him the N-word in it. And that was supposed to be funny. And, and they called a Jewish kid in there um, the K-word, you know. And, it's just, and it was just like, I remember growing up with mostly Jewish kids. And I didn't even know. But, you know, I realized that, was the, you know, they were saying that he was, they were talking about what a bad team they had because they had this kid who's the N-word and it was this Jewish kid. And then it was just like all these racial slurs. And, you know, then they had a girl. So that made the team worse, too. You know, but she was like supposed to be a good baseball player. So I remember cringing at that as a kid. But there's so many other things that are subtle, like you watch now, like movies even. And, and I was telling you, I don't think Spike Lee does a good job with female characters. You know, they don't flesh them out. And there's a, you know women are usually often relegated to just playing the girlfriend and that's all they do just play the girlfriend or the wife and just show up when they're needed and then they leave. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you watch now and just realize they're racist and sexist and they're accepted. And I, I just think this is all just tented up, you know, anger and a reaction to everything that we've accepted in the past. 
but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I think there. I think this debate about cancel culture and and uh, you know just call out culture. I think it's going to. I think that this is going to be a very important debate because people, you know, now everybody can talk about like this guy treated me like this, and and I don't know if you know, there's an Instagram page where it's calling out businesses now, like restaurants and businesses, um, and so that's like we're seeing restaurateurs like responding on Twitter saying, oh, you know. I'm learning and, and, you know, so that proves that they must have done something. I don't know if you saw that. Um, the, uh, what's that game? Uh, Cards Against Humanity. Oh, yeah. The, Max, so that guy. Yeah, Max that, Tevkin. That guy mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think it's a good conversation, but, you know, I will people get called out for things that they haven't done? Will they be wrongfully accused? I think that's a possibility, too. But I think I think it's good that people are able to speak out or feel like they can speak out. Uh, I'm with you there 100%. And when I, when I was reading through, I urge everybody to check out Eric Zorn's column in the Tribune because he lists some of the, the more quote-unquote controversial statutes or names. Uh, and I found myself, when I read the column, I, I thought the point that the uh, National Review was making was I would be shocked. A normal person would be shocked that anybody would be, for instance, thinking about changing the name St. Louis. That's just one example. And I'm reading this from Eric's column today. The namesake of the gateway to the West, 13th century King Louis XIV of France, was a, quote, rabid anti-Semite who spearheaded many persecutions against the Jewish people, according to those advocating for change. He was also vehemently Islamic phobic and led a murderous crusade against the Muslims. So, you know... So he hated both of us. Yeah, he hated both of us, <laughs> and he led a crusade. He was a crusader, and the, I'm like, I understand that there's a knee-jerk opposition that we have to be concerned about among moderate swing voters in Wisconsin who may be so offended by me or you being offended by naming a city after a man who murdered and slaughtered uh, Muslims and Jews, okay? I'm, I'm following the logic here. I'm worried about those swing voters in Wisconsin. And yet, on the other hand, the guy slaughtered Muslims and Jews. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I'm, it, it, I can't even it, get the words out, you know? Yale, Yale is the same thing. I was reading, and I guess a lot of these Ivy League institutions, they're founded by these people who are like, you know, okay with slavery. Yale, I think, was also um, went to India and was like a big colonist, you know, colonizer. So there's all these questions, I think. I think it's good to have the debate. Um, you know, the interesting thing is that there are a lot of people who are, the funny thing I find funny is a lot of people who think they're woke and are, you know, canceling other people, they're getting canceled themselves. So that's always, that's I find that part amusing because there's a lot of people who are doing the calling out and they might get called out too. So it's, it's all very interesting. It, and, you know, there's, you know, we were talking about journalism mm-hmm. organizations and I, uh, I think there's a lot of journalism organizations being called out too. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about like, you know, state, the mainstream, mostly, you know, mostly white, you know, staff members. There's also um, people calling out, um, you know, journalists who work for all black publications, like say the, the editor in chief was a black guy and he was actually, you know, harassing women so i've seen some of that too so i think it's just a i think everybody's just calling out everybody so i think it's like i said it's an interesting time i think this is a debate that we're going to have for a long time by the way i've always uh saying i want to get you into the, the movie segments we do with daniel scruggs uh and sergio mims i think a great one would be to go through and talk about some of the uh 
dated, let's just put it that way, uh, scenes or references or dialogue from movies that we may have loved years ago. That'd be a, uh, an interesting topic. And when you were talking, I just thought of, I re recently watched uh, The French Connection, which is probably a movie you, you probably didn't see because it was, I think it came out the year you were born. That's uh, <laughs> how much older I am than Ramon. Anyway, uh, it, it, there's such blatant racism in that movie. And I must confess, when I saw that, I just loved that Gene Hackman movie, a great chase scene. Uh, I remember seeing it back in the day when I was about 15. Oh, yeah, it's a great movie, The French Connection. And I couldn't believe just the blatant racism, the way Gene Hackman's character, who's a police officer, treats black people uh, in that movie. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the most celebrated movies of the early 70s. So that's an example. You were alluding, you, exactly. you said and, others, yeah. Yeah, and I, I grew up in the 80s, so I love the John Hughes movies, but uh, 16 Candles, Long Duck Wong, um, that character is completely racist. And Molly Ringwald had a great piece, I think it was in The New Yorker a couple of years ago, where she talked about, you know, John Hughes' treatment um, of females, because I loved that movie, 16 Candles. But if you watch it now, there's like rape jokes and, you know, the way they treat the women, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty telling and you know at that time you're laughing at these things and you don't realize that you're laughing at them does that mean that we're going to make dialogue in movies like completely pc and you know let's face it um you know people aren't pc all the time does that mean you're going to sanitize the language no but it's just the way you present certain things without having you know anybody answer to it i think I think the question is like, you know, having diversity, having characters that speak differently, having nuanced characters. I think that's what we maybe will see in the future. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I just want to urge everybody to check out the interview, uh, the conversation I had with Danielle and Sergio about the five bloods, uh, Spike Lee's movie. And recently there was an excellent essay in the New York times, uh, uh about uh, how the Vietnamese are treated in the five bloods. And I opened my eyes, uh, <laughs> I said, I've been sending it to so many different people, that, that essay. So even the great Spike Lee uh, was accused. And, and there was some powerful arguments made uh, in this essay. About, I got to read that. Yeah, right. I'll send it to you. Uh, probably should have. You know, I blew it. I should have sent it to you on Tuesday. Instead, I sent it to Danielle and uh, Sergio. I should have sent it to you and we could have talked about it. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, we could do that some other time. It's not going anywhere. Uh, so speaking of movies, before we let you go, What's your recommendation? Uh, what are you going to offer up to watch for? Uh... I don't know. I have to tell you, I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any new movies or shows that I do want to watch. So I'm going to have to probably rely on something old. So I don't know. You have to recommend something. Well, I will now recommend something that I'm a little embarrassed. I'm going to yes. recommend. And please don't hold this against me. I'm a big Will Ferrell fan. And he has a oh, movie yeah, that, the Euro <laughs> yeah, and it uh, looks like her typical stupid Will Ferrell movie, which means I'll probably be watching it tonight. It's on Netflix, so even I get to watch it. Yeah, what's it called? Eurovision or something like that? He plays. I think it's called Eurovision, but it is. It is. It, I saw the um, ad, and it does look pretty funny because it's very like Eastern European looking, and you know, I I know I get the I guess the stereotypes or what like you know whenever they show like an Eastern European like. Glam Squad, that's what he, he kind of looks like with whoever the actress is on the cover. So I have read about that. Mm -hmm. and uh, But I don't know. I, I haven't, you know, they're probably, I have to still see Uncut Gems. So oh. I got to watch that. 
And I do want to watch this one documentary um, that's come on Hulu. I know you don't have Hulu, but I can always give you my friend's password that I use if you ever want to use it. Don't give it away. <laughs> I want to watch uh, this documentary uh, that this comedian I talked to you about, um, Hari Gandhubalu. Um, he did this documentary on The Simpsons and the Trouble with Abu. And so that, come, that just came on Hulu. It wasn't available on Hulu now so i do want to watch that i think i'm going to catch up on that it's like a really short documentary and he talks to a lot of indian south asian actors um and you know his experience with that stereotype since that was at the time that was one of the only representations of a south asian man growing up when he was growing up yeah and uh who's the vo- the actor d the the, the boo- Hank yeah he uh said he's oh, not going to do it anymore Azaria. yeah uh i yeah. and I, oh one more one i'm going to offer to you it's a messy all over the place movie uh i i'm not saying it's a great movie by any means but i saw it last week it dropped on netflix but it, uh i found it compelling on some levels the wasp network i don't know if you heard about that but it's very political yeah. i think your husband mick would probably be into it more than you it tells a story about how fidel castro uh sent spies into the united states into miami into the in the early 90s to spy on the anti-castro factions uh in miami and uh, how he was manipulating the anti-Castro factions, the FBI, local politicians. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very uh, intricate look at uh, how our government spies on the Cuban government and the Cuban government spies on us. Uh, and it was a very effective spy network that Castro put together. The movie is a complete and total mess. I'm telling you that right now. I'm just You're going to be like, who's this character and what's this guy? But if you just stick through it. There's some good points. Is it a movie or a documentary? No, it's a movie. And in the old days, you would have seen it in a movie theater. Uh, you would have gone to the one in Evanston, and I would have gone to the one in Skokie, and uh, nobody would have talked about it. But it uh, dropped on Netflix as a result. So it may, uh, okay. the Wasp Network, it's a political movie about Cuban spying. All right, Romana, stay safe and sound. We will not uh, be talking to you next Saturday. We're giving you a much-deserved a day off, so enjoy that day. Friday. I'm oh, my yeah, bad. Friday. Friday. Yes. Saturday. Saturday. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long week. Uh, so enjoy your week off, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Okay. All right. Okay. Very Bye. good. Ramon Hussein from the Chicago Sun Times, editor, columnist from the Chicago Sun Times. Always fun talking to Ramana. Any updates for us, D? Absolutely. Uh, one update: uh, Johnny Joe Johnson, or as we call in the live stream chat, Triple J. <laughs> Triple J gave us some information here. Uh, he weighed in. Great comments here. Uh, he realized something. Uh, he says, you know, I'm starting to think that all the Trump... Oh, I keep doing that, leaning into the, the sound effect. <laughs> Trying to lean back and read the second computer here. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm thinking that uh, all these Trump Towers are actually portals to hell. <laughs> Please don't rent there. Unless you get really good discounts. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> and, portals uh, to hell. Good, that sounds like a rock group. Portals of hell yeah. or portals to Portal, hell? Either one. That's a real good rock group, actually. What would that? What would one of their songs sound like? <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> portals of hell. Yeah, baby. Okay. Uh, and we have a story to read here from uh, the Chicago Sun Times, and smoke them if you got them. Tommy Two Joints Shuba. What's up, Tommy? <laughs> 
I haven't seen you in a while. I know, man. What's going what on? Up, Tommy Shuba, one of the hardest working reporters in the city of Chicago. He's smoking in the boys' room. All right. The headline reads, Lakeview pot shop workers become first to unionize right in Illinois when the 40 employees at Cresco Labs Sunnyside Dispensary petitioned to unionize. They cited a slow and inadequate response to the COVID-19 crisis, a, a lack of managerial professionalism, unclear workplace policies and procedures, and a growing culture of disrespect for workers. Employees at a Lakeview pot shop became the first workers at the Illinois dispensary to unionize in the state's expanding legal cannabis industry on Thursday. The 40 employees at the dispensary, which is at 3812 North Clark. If you need some pot, there you go. <laughs> There's your guy right or there. Or you could talk to the cookie man down in uh, East St. Louis. Yeah, he's the cookie man. I could talk to him, help you out a little bit. This guy used to sell me weed, the cookie man. He made weed cookies. <laughs> They're really good. Okay. Uh, 3812 North Clark. Uh, this this dispensary voted, quote, overwhelmingly to join Illinois' cannabis union, Local 881. That should be Local 420, right? Of the United oh. Food and Commercial Workers International <laughs> Union. And this is according to a statement from the union. Uh, let's see here. Let's get a quote from... Oh, this guy's got a cool last name. Nicholas Stankus. Nicholas Stankus says, quote, the entire process has tested everyone's resolve, but we came through in the end. Is he Nicholas, an employee of the? Uh... Yeah, employee. Oh, we got to get Nicholas on the show. Uh, right on. Congratulations. I'm a big supporter of Reefer and Union. So it's all my world's coming together. And I think that's awesome. We had Zach Kowski uh, on the show this was back in the old days before the pandemic. He was in studio talking about unionizing uh, reefer employees. Yeah, and so look, if you listen to that and you go, where's the brown line? Yeah, you're right. There's no brown Yeah, it was February 28th. I just looked it up, February 28th. And we had that conversation. Uh, and, you know, we th this is a recurring theme. I'm glad we've legalized uh, cannabis. Oh, that's the correct way of calling it. Cannabis. Thank you. That's uh, cannabis. Oh, Lisa Solomon, if she heard you say pot or something. No, Reaper. Ben, it's cannabis, okay? Don't call it marijuana. No, it was Kelly Cassidy that used to tell. No, Toy Hutchinson. You in the old oh, days. It sounds like a lot of people were. Yeah, they were always bad. Don't yeah. blame Ben. It's your fault. Keep calling it Reaper. Uh, or marijuana. Okay, don't call it marijuana. It's Any awesome though. Like if uh, every time when we had video, you can notice it too. But anytime Ben has a guest on, and the first time he calls it reefer, <laughs> they all laugh. <laughs> God, was Kim Fox was like, "Dude, you're calling this reefer still." <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so um, I think it's great that we legalize it, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's it should have been it's never been illegal in the first place. Blah blah blah. But let's not forget that the war on drugs was waged against black people. And we really don't have social equity until black people are benefiting from the legalization of reefer, okay? And so one way is through giving uh, black entrepreneurs control some of the dispensaries, but in another way, it's not just black people, working people who work in the dispensaries get a union, get good wages, get good health benefits. Hey, maybe a pension, I doubt that, but maybe. So, you know, collective bargaining in the reefer industry, I welcome it. So congratulations to whatever the name of the dispensary was. on the Sunny, some, It was on Sunnyside. It was a big, long Cresco Labs or something. But hey, great work, Tommy Two Joints. Yeah. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Okay, and I guess uh, great work, random hipster. <laughs>
Ah, <laughs> oh, the good old days when all we had in our mind was the Gator. About a year ago, D. What a what a change a year has brought. Remember a year ago, the Ex Gator. Excuse me, random hipster. What have you seen out here? I've seen a whole lot of catfish mm -hmm. and some turtles. Oh. Uh, no Gators yet though. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, random hipster. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Well, good times. And hey, remember, this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews, oh, yeah. we got three of them, all right, available at 5 a.m. on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, a city council synopsis with our good friend Dave Glowatz, Mr. Bike, a very, very great interview with Ben Jarofsky, getting up to date on uh, what went down there. Uh, on Sunday, a cannabis conversation. Will this guy be there? I've seen a whole lot of catfish, <laughs> some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. No. The guy's name's Akili uh, Parnell. Parnell. Yeah. And he's a very wise man and not that Lincoln's or Logan Square hipster guy. And on Monday, Dave Ferris, uh, one of the greatest national political minds uh, that I've ever come across. Very funny man. Uh, get up to date on what's going on in national politics. Uh, is he riding with Biden? <laughs> he's got to vote for him. I don't know if he's riding with him. He's definitely got to vote for him. All of that available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast, tell your friends, share it. Give us reviews, five stars only. Have a good weekend. Yes, have a good weekend. I want to thank Romano Hussein. I want, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. You know his name, ladies and gentlemen. This Romano will tell you. This David Ferris will tell you. Back home and on, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you on Tuesday, everybody. And to take us out, Michael Girardi in the editorial board.
this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. the radio make sure the television the, excuse me make sure you have the record player on at night the, the, the phone make sure the kids hear words that's correct 